We're talking about urban intensification. The housing intensification bill caused a bit of angst when it came out in some quarters. There's a very interesting story in the Herald today, and it focuses on um, the suburb of Remuera. And where the and I and I actually read it with a great deal of interest because one of the group is suggesting it's just an unsightly eyesore now. And they they said we're being realistic. We knew this property was going to have a couple of homes, maybe four put on it this site, but the developer's gone ahead and put thirteen townhouses on this site now, which is entirely legal under this new um, intensification bill. And there's a whole list of reasons why this group are upset about what's going on. We'll talk to them in a moment. But on the line with us. Um, to set it all up is Matt Lowry. He is the editor of Auckland Urban Design website Greater Auckland. Matt, thank you for your time, mate. Hey, Matt. Hi. First off, have you read this story about this particular group in Remuera? Yeah, I have, yeah. And do you think the residents that are complaining have a point? Uh, not particularly, no. Um, the, the, the primary, a lot of this comes down to what, what's often termed as nimbyism or not in my backyard. Mm. And and what it really comes down to is, you know, in the end of the day, we in Auckland and, and other parts of the country as well need a lot more housing uh, in our cities to, to to provide for people. And there are different ways we can do that, but the, the best way we can do that is to provide them in places where they're actually desirable and people want to live. And so we should be trying to get get more housing. And a lot and what happens in a lot of cases is our council plans. And council planners have put a lot of effort into trying to prevent housing in places that are desirable because the places that are desirable, people tend to have the money to be able to fight those plans. And that's really what we're seeing here. I can hear that. But then this group are arguing that, you know, on the advertising flyers for this particular development, we'll get to others in a moment, but they say this is not award-winning architecture, as the developers claim. It is, in fact, factory roof lines designed from the 1950s and 60s. Nothing architectural about them. They cite a couple of things which I think are valid. Increased noise levels uh, that they're going to have to put up with because there's going to be 60 to 70 people in, in and around these areas. Lack of sustainability f- with the new design, which they have some concerns about. And one thing which I do think will resonate with people is because the number of premises now, they don't have to have the domestic wheelie bins. They have to have commercial skip bins, which are huge, require big trucks to take them away, noisy, stinky. You know, they're, they're valid criticisms, aren't they, Matt? Oh, they're, they're all design criticisms, and what we what we've spent a lot of time focusing on, well, what the discussion has spent a lot of time focusing on, is how many houses there are, and not how do we get the best designs out of them, and trying to get the best best result. And so, what we should be focusing on is how do we beef up our our design processes to make sure we get better outcomes, rather than just fighting on how many houses are allowed. Mm-hmm. And that's really what the challenge is. In, in a lot of the, a lot of our places around the country. So, is this part of the? Is this done under the housing intensification of bill? No, no. It's be, this is going through Parliament now, isn't it? Uh, it's been been through Parliament. So, mm. uh, this was initially this development particularly was started under the previous rule. So, back right. in when Auckland was amal- after Auckland was amalgamated in 2010, uh, one of the big processes was to, to bring together all the various different planning documents that occurred into into a single into a single document. That happened in 2006, you know, was completed in 2016, and that allowed a lot more housing in Auckland, and we've seen a big result in builds as a result of that. Uh, but what that plan did was it, it still left a lot of places, particularly those those wealthier, more desirable areas, where you couldn't actually do, do development. It forced development out to, to the fringes of, of the city, and um, one of the things that the government had been doing is trying to change, to change the planning documents to allow for more housing in, in places 
So that is included. There's a, a separate piece of legislation that occurred, which was around um, making making it more easier to build build taller buildings or more intensification around train stations and around yeah. city centres and those kinds of things. And then the government came back last year in an agreement with National as well. They worked together on it to allow broader scale housing across all of the region, really, and, all, and not just Auckland, but also in other major cities too. I right. guess where I sort of have an issue, Matt, and I can, don't get me wrong, I'm not an NB guy and I get there's a real need, and obviously housing has been such a critical issue for we in this country, as it has been around the world. But it kind of feels to me like some of the legislation with that RMA that was, was problematic, they've just sort of gone, crikey, now we are in shtuk, let's just chuck everything out. That's kind of how it feels. So they've gone from the sublime to the ridiculous. In Milford, for example, on the North Shore, they're taking out three homes and putting in 32. If you were a neighbour there, you'd be absolutely filthy. On the same token, you could also say that that then shows that there's actually a lot of value in those properties for the neighbours, and so therefore it increases the, the, the value of the neighbours' properties for not for, for not you know because they are developable in the future. So, uh, yeah, in some ways, it's, in some ways, opposing more housing next to you is a bit like pulling the ladder up. Someone had to some something had to give way for your house to be there in the first place, and now you're saying that someone else can't can't you know other people can't live nearby because you're in the area. So I. I but if you've been there, if you've been there for twenty years, Matt, and you've got a lovely home again, and nobody's talking about being snobby here, but you might be sixty-five, you're retired, might be seventy, you've got a lovely home, you've had it for twenty years, and suddenly, as I saw an image this morning, um, on Dominion Road, a lovely villa, and suddenly through this new bill, they've got this three-story ugly-looking thing going up. They will literally look out their window. They've lost their son. They'll look out their window and see a concrete block wall that goes up fifteen, twenty odd metres. That's that's hard yards because they've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in value in their property and they can't do anything about it. Well, uh, yeah, part of it part of it is that cities change, but part of it also, as I said, is that they can also develop that too. And mm. the question becomes, how much right do you have over, to, to say over what your neighbours do on their property? Mm. And and yes, there are planning rules around it, and, and things have to conform to those to those rules. Uh, but but can you? Yeah, is there other values? And we, what we also tend to look at on these discussions is we, we look at the downsides of, of what this additional housing might create in terms of maybe noise or additional people on the street, what have you. But we don't look at the, also the benefits that come with it too because more housing also means we can justify, for example, better public transport, more shops, better parks, all those kinds of things that, that become possible when you have a, a higher density because you, you, you have to, to, to support them. And they, they benefit existing existing residents too. Mm. Look, you've touched on it, Matt, um, the National Policy Statement on Urban Development, and this requires council to allow buildings up to six storeys. That's generally near transport hubs, eh? But it also abolishes car parking requirements. They don't have to have them. Do you think that's a good idea? I mean, where are people going to park their cars? Well, it, it is a good idea. So what, what that doesn't say is that you have to remove car parks and you can't put, build car parks in developments, and that what it is, is you're not required to. And what we've seen in the past is, and there's good evidence both locally and internationally about this, is that, uh, that when you force a development to require car parking, you end up actually lessening the value and lessening the outcomes that, that you get because you encourage more people to drive, you then have more congestion and you have poorer outcomes as a result because you have because of these rules. And what this says is, if you want to provide car parking, go ahead. You know, you, there's nothing stopping you from providing car parking as a developer, but particularly you know, as these new, more intense buildings come along as well, 
the car parking adds a significant cost. That can add, easily add, you know, seventy to a hundred thousand dollars to the cost of a of a of a dwelling. And that's but when we've got a, a housing affordability crisis, that is a huge uh, a huge issue that that adds additional cost to people. And a lot of people might not might not need to have, you know, for example, two cars or or what have you. They might be able to get away with just one or, or none at all, depending on, on where it is. And so that leaves the, the decision as to whether they provide develop whether they provide car parking to the developer. And the developer can say, you know, am I going to sell be able to sell these properties without it? Yes or no, and, and make that make that decision and, and provide it or not. Are they selling so that, them? Are they selling them? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, developers are still building car parks as part of their developments, and there are some that are without, but most still provide some form of car parking uh, you know, to, a, to a level. It would um, be modest, though, wouldn't it, Matt? Because let's be honest, if I'm a developer it, it, and I can charge... It is less. Yeah, yeah. yeah mm. it, it absolutely is less than, than what has been provided in the past. Uh, but, but if they thought they couldn't sell the properties without without that car parking, you know, without putting the extra car parking in, they would put that extra car parking in. So... It really comes down to what what is valuable and what we want to put the focus on. And one thing I'd also notice is that, um, that the changes that, that that have been made around around the, the national policy statement, around um, also the more recent uh, changes to, to what's called the medium density residential standards, uh, what what those changes are actually quite world leading in terms of we're getting, New Zealand is getting a lot of praise as a result of that because it's actually taking a, a proper evidence based approach to what to how we plan our cities rather than just what someone thinks, you know, what some planner thinks at the time is, is going to be the most politically acceptable. It'll be very interesting, Matt, listening to you talk. I mean, you've got mm. some very good, valid arguments, but I think th- there's a counter to all of it almost. Um, but great to get your perspective. Do you think this is the only way? Is building up New Zealand's only way to combat this lack of housing? Well, there, there are... I mean, there's always a discussion about up or out. So do we, do we build up? Do we, do we develop more, more land on the fringes of our centres? Um, they, they, you know, they are, you could say, valid options, but what we have to look at is also what the implications are. And one of the challenges, particularly with the, the building out model, is it actually requires us to build a lot more infrastructure to, to, to service it, um, you know, a lot more roads and, and public transport and, and parks and schools and all the rest of it that goes along with it. So there's a large cost involved with that. And in addition, it actually creates, creates other issues as well, particularly for things like congestion, because people who are further out are far more likely to drive, to, to work, to school, all those kinds of, of things, and so therefore people are far more like going to contribute to congestion more, and, and particularly in our big cities like Auckland, that's going to have long-term implications for for everyone. Not it's not just about where you live, it's how you how you get into work and all the rest of it. And so, yes, yes, we could, we can build up and we can build out, uh, but but that all has there are trade-offs in all of them, and there's also with them, but the climate and emissions and all the rest of it that comes with it too. Okay, Matt, we're getting a lot of texts here and people are getting stuck in. So who is to blame for this issue in Remuera at the moment? Well, so the, the development was initially built under under the, the unitary plan, so the, the Auckland Council uh, approved the, the, the plan, um, and then the, the, the residents have challenged it. In the meantime, since, since the residents challenged it, the government have come out with these the, the new rules and, and in accordance with, the, and we've worked with National on those too. And so the, the plan, the, the development does meet those standards. Okay. okay. Matt, we're going to have to leave it there, but very interesting to get your thoughts. Thank you so much for your time, mate. That's all right. Thanks, Go Matt. well. Matt Lowry, editor of Greater Auckland.